If you have your Bibles, open to Mark chapter 5 this morning. Uh, Mark chapter 5, and we're dealing with the last part of this. Next week, I'm going into a series called Fueled because we're approaching Pentecost. I'm going to be talking about the gifts and ministries of the Holy Spirit. Okay, Mark chapter 5, let's begin reading. I'm sorry, Luke chapter 5. It's, a, it's another gospel. Luke chapter 5, let's begin reading with verse 1. I'm reading from the ESV again uh, this morning. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. And getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put a little out from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. And they signaled to their partners in the order, uh, other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Can we say Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, let down your nets. Try it again. I mean, try it again, you know. I mean, say to them, try it again. <laughs> Hallelujah. You can try again. Brandon said he went through 12 Treatment programs. I had a cousin uh, years ago who came and lived with me for a period of time, and uh, he had been through eight rehabilitation programs to try to break the addiction of alcohol off his life. And it was broken in one night at an altar call. It was absolutely amazing. But you, you can't stop. Okay, look at your neighbor and say this. <laughs> You know, I saw one of these little uh, memes that had, you know, the chairs all come down and there's, they were pews. And it finally got to the, the last one and it was in an angle. And there was just a pew that could seat one person. And it was for that person who doesn't want to look at their neighbor. But <laughs> anyhow, I done forgot what I was going to tell you to tell your neighbor now, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> God is good. Wow. Try again. Okay, try it again. You can try again. I want, to just, I want you to leave with that, if nothing else. You can do it. You can do it, and you can try again. I want us to look at the life of Peter, and I want to look at three different things here. First of all was Peter's episode in the boat. So if you've read the Bible, if you've been in church for any amount of time, you realize Peter was a fisherman, and his brother were fishermen. They worked for their dad, who was a fisherman. And when uh, Jesus called them, they left their fishing business to go follow Jesus. And so they left their nets, literally, because they fished with nets back then. And so what's happening is Jesus hops in Peter's boat and uses his boat to teach from. 
because there are so many people, he has to get in, in the boat so he can push out a little bit, and then how people heard him, I, I would have loved to have been there to see how that worked. But anyhow, I preached, and everyone heard him, and then uh, Jesus looks at him, and he says, hey, put out into the deep. Let down your nets for a catch. And Peter says, Lord, we've been fishing all night. We've been fishing all night. I know what I'm doing. I'm going to read in between the lines. I know what I'm doing. I've been doing this all night. I was raised fishing. And we ain't catching anything. King James, nevertheless at thy word. Nevertheless at thy word. I'll give it one more try. And when they gave it another try, they got so much catch that they had to get people to help them reel it in. They got so much that they had to help people reel it in. Do you know the most natural thing for you to do when you get knocked down is to get up? The most natural thing for you to do when you get knocked down is to get up. How you respond to failure is one of the most important decisions you'll ever make in this life. Because all of us have experienced failure to some extent. And when you read and study about the lives of highly successful people, it's interesting that a lot of them often experienced more failure than the common person. And what separated them wasn't that they experienced failure, but was their ability and their determination to get back up and to keep moving and to try it again. Look at the life of uh, Thomas Edison. How many experiments did he have until he discovered the light bulb? It was, it was so much that it was unbelievable. Look at the life of Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln, you know, I, used to, I have this list in my files somewhere of the life of Abraham Lincoln written in one sentences. And it's just like, failed here, failed election here, failed here, failed again for election here, failed here, and failed here, and failed here, became president of the United States at the most crucial time of our entire history, and some considering the greatest president of all time. Absolutely amazing. So failure is not final. Only those who do not expect anything are never disappointed. Only those who do not expect anything are never disappointed. Those who never try never fail. So it's not if or how you get knocked down, it's how you get back up. So what's the key to success after failure? Learn a lesson from it and forget the details. Because often when we go through something, we want to rehearse every detail of all that failure over and over and over again ad nauseum. And so we can't get out of the failure to move on to the future that God has for us. If you failed... Remember the lesson that you'll never go back and do that again or do it that way again and you get out of it and you walk on to the great future that God has for you because your calling and your call is greater than your fall. Come on, I'm going to say it again. Your call is greater than your fall. You have a greater future in front of you than a failure behind you. Your, your front window is huge. Your rear view mirror is about that big. And now it's just a camera, by the way. 
So what if you said, I've tried, but I didn't succeed? I tried, but I didn't succeed. You know how I'm going to respond to that? Let down your nets. Try it again. I tried. I went to one rehab and it didn't work. Let down your nets. Try it again. Trust in the Lord this time. You tried it on your own 11 times. How about now really surrender it all to the Lord and let Him do it this time? Come on, somebody. Can you shout amen? Amen. If you've tried and didn't succeed, don't quit. Try it again. Try it again. Try it again. Um, I went to plant a church in Washington, D.C. in 2001. I moved into Washington, D.C. area, metro area, in uh, January of 2001. And so we got there, and we had all this vision. We had about a year of working on vision, funds, everything. When I went, about five families moved with me. And we went there, and we had a vision to plant multiple churches all over the city, start a dream center. Um, I had a phenomenal team, as, as, as talented a people as you would want to work with. And we went there, and I spent nine years there. And at the end of the nine years, I shut the doors of the church, and we dissolved it. And it was like a death happened in my life, because it was everything I'd put my hopes and dreams and effort into, all my money. I was so broke at the end, I couldn't stay and I couldn't leave. I don't know if you've ever been that broke, but it's not a good place to be. I was so broke, I couldn't go or come. And then I received a phone call from Pastor Bill Mayo, who pastored here, and he said, I'm praying about the future of the church, and every time I do, I see you before my face. And I thought, I thought many things. One of the biggest was, why should I do this again? I was teaching at a couple universities adjunct, and I thought, I can just do that. Or I'll just travel as an evangelist, because I was doing a lot of that. Or I'll go back to the Appalachian Mountains and help my dad as a coal miner. I can do that. You know, Moses said, Lord, I can't speak well enough. Send somebody else. God says, don't worry about it. I already got Aaron coming. He can speak for you. He says, yeah, but Lord, uh, who will I say sent me? Because they're not going to believe me. Well, tell them that I am that I am that sent you. So tell them that. Okay. Then finally Moses says, Lord, send anyone. Just send somebody. And the Bible says the Lord got mad at him. And his anger was aroused at him. And, and, and it's like, no, it's you I want to do this. But you're going to have to get over what happened 40 years ago. You're going to have to get over the past 40 years of sitting here and thinking about it. And you're going to have to go back into that place I brought you out of to do what I've called you to do and I thought Lord I don't know that I want to pastor again because evidently I'm terrible at it and so uh, but I had some confirmation and we came down here and and came to Fountain of Life Church now what's interesting is that years ago let's go back into the 90s I was at a pastor's conference at Tommy Barnett's church in Phoenix Arizona 
And at the end of the, the, the conference with Tommy Barnett, you know, he's a, he's a very motivational speaker, and he did this thing about, you know, get a vision for your church, and this is how it should go, and take a five-by-seven note card paper. You know, before we had iPhone notes, there were these little index cards we used to buy. And write down on it your vision of a church. And so I wrote down on it my vision for a church. I want the church to be this size. I want the church to plant other churches. I want the church to be a great missions church. I want the church to be a fountainhead. And I came here in, in 2009, and I will honestly admit, I told my wife and family, I said, give me a year or give me two years so I can get my mind straight and, and I'll plan again or I'll do something. I don't know what else to do. So we got here, and I said, I'm not fighting with anybody. I'm not changing much. I'll pick a little guitar, and I'll preach and love people. And the church literally started exploding. Literally started exploding. We saw 5,000 5, people saved within the first few years. And I remember that after being here only a few months, I talked to Dr. Doug Beecham, who's now our general superintendent. And Doug said, Hans, I just think it's great you're there. I think it's a great fit for you. I'm just so happy for you. And I said, that's interesting, Dr. Beecham, because I don't know. I was so confused. And I'm like, God, why, why is it this? And why didn't it work in D.C.? And, and he said, he responded. He said, Hans, it's interesting what God can do with us once we die to our ego. I'm going to say that. I'm preaching to your neighbor right now, okay? But said it's interesting what God can do with us when we die to our ego and let him have his way. Come on, somebody, shout amen. I've tried and I've failed. Try it again. Don't stop. There's no stop. There's no stop in us. There's no reverse in us. We're only moving forward. Can somebody shout amen? But I've tried, but I failed God. Look, look with me in the book of Mark, chapter 14. I want to show you something. Mark, chapter 14, verse 26. Mark 14, 26. At the Last Supper, Jesus and the disciples sung a hymn. They went out to the Mount of Olives, and Jesus said to them, You will all fall away. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. And Peter said, even though they all fall away, I will not. And Jesus said to him, truly, I tell you this very night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he said emphatically, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said the same. Now if you drop down to verse 72 of the same chapter, he encounters different people at, and he's standing back as Jesus is taken into Caiaphas' house and he's, this trial process begins with Jesus. And in verse 72 it says, and immediately the rooster crowed a second time. And Peter remembered how Jesus had said to him, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And in this paragraph, he had denied him three times. And the Bible says, and he broke down and wept. Now, could you imagine how Peter felt? He's the man. 
He's the man in Matthew chapter 16 that says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus says, Peter, upon this rock I'll build my church, and gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He said, flesh and blood's not revealed this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. I mean, that's the guy. He's the guy who went with Jesus up on the Mount of Transfiguration, Peter, James, and John. He's the guy who went to Jairus' home when he put out all the other people. He just took in Peter, James, and John. He's the guy that was closest to Jesus. He's the man that had seen all the miracles. He's the guy that got out of the boat when no one else got out of the boat. And walked on water to Jesus. He's that guy. He's the guy who was taking up the sword. He's the guy ready to fight and give his life. He's that guy. I believe, I believe in just reading about the apostles, I believe he was the oldest. Because Jewish rabbis would usually pick adolescent young boys to come and train under them. So I believe a lot of the apostles were very young. But Peter had a family and a fishing business. I believe he was older. I really do. I believe he was older and I believe he was rough. And I believe he spoke his mind. Some of y'all should not feel so bad now. But I believe he, he spoke his mind and he was very direct. And then of all, of all of the disciples, the one guy who shouldn't have denied him, the one guy that was tough enough to take it was Peter. And on that night, three times he denied the Lord and he went out and he was broken and he wept bitterly. He had tried, but he failed God. I mean, you can fail God, but failing Him at His trial and crucifixion, He failed God. He had tried, but He failed God. But then, book of Mark, still there, chapter 16. After Jesus had risen from the dead, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices to go anoint His body while He's in the tomb. And in chapter 16, verse 2 says, on the very, first, on the, very early on the first day of the week when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb and they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone? Because it's so large, how can we even roll away the stone? And in verse 4, looking up, they saw the stone had already been rolled back. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side. Now Matthew identifies this young man as an angel. So here's an angel dressed in white, and they were alarmed, and they said, and he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him, but go tell his disciples and Peter that he's going before you to Galilee, and there you will see him just as he told you. Why did he tell, why did the angel say it that way? We don't really know. But I have a hunch. I think when the girls walked in, the ladies walked in and told this story, here's Peter broken. Here's Peter maybe wondering if he's forever failed the Lord and if he can ever be used or are the Romans coming after him next and have they locked the doors? As Don Francisco's old song, they locked the doors and they were shaking in fear. They were waiting for the Romans to come next. and I don't know. But anyhow, when those ladies showed up and Mary Magdalene said, hey, I saw the Lord. And he said to tell all of you guys that he's risen and to tell Peter especially. Why? Because I believe Peter just needed a little more love on that day than the rest of them. Even though they all fled, Peter was the man that needed a little bit more love. I've tried and I failed. Well, try again. I've tried, but I failed God. Well, you got to come back and you got to try it again. He said, no, I failed God and I'm never coming back to church. Listen, that's the enemy talking to you. 
Because the enemy says, I can't go to church. You can't go to church. You've sinned. You've thought something wrong. You did something wrong this week. So that's his plan, to isolate you from the body. Because the place you need to be is with the body of Christ. And so if you've sinned and fallen, guess what? There's forgiveness. If we have sinned, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, who forgives all sin. All you have to do is go back and get the blood applied. Hallelujah. Walk in the forgiveness with which Christ has set you free. Receive all that he's done for you at the cross and walk in that freedom and get up and try it again. Look at your neighbor. (laughs) Say, cast your net again. Cast your net again. I tried church, it didn't work. Well, it works. I tried the Lord, it didn't work. I've never heard anybody say that. It works. I tried tithing and it went broke. I've never heard anybody say that. It works. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I tried marriage. (laughs) Tried again. Go back and love on your wife. Hallelujah. Go back and say, well, we, I just, yes, you're going to make it. Yes, yes, you're going to make it. Yes, be a man and go back and try it again. Swallow pride. And swallow offense and go back and try it again. You're going to make it. Well, somebody shout amen or oh me. Think about David. David coveted Uriah's wife Bathsheba. David committed adultery with her. David effectively stole her from Uriah. David then lied to Uriah. David David then manipulated and put Uriah on the front line of battle to where he basically had him murdered. And then David took her in as his wife. And then one day the prophet Nathan confronts David and and, and nails him over his sin. But David immediately repented. David immediately repented. He confessed his sin. And then the son that they had got sick. David fasted and prayed. But yet the child died. He experienced the pain of everything he went through. But he repented. He failed God. But he repented. And he went on. And he tried it again. And he remained king of Israel. Think about Elijah. Elijah caused the rain to stop for more than three years at one point. He was a miracle worker. He was fed by ravens. He had a limitless food supply at a widow's house who was starving. He witnessed a widow's son resurrected. He defeated the prophets of Baal on Mount uh, Carmel. And he just had miracle after miracle after miracle. Yet after the greatest victory of his life, a woman named Jezebel swore to kill him and he couldn't take it. He fled and had to run out of the region of her domain and he had to go back to a mountain and there he got on that mountain and he just complained to God. Lord, I've been trying and I've been doing it and I've been giving it my best shot and now I'm the only one left. God says, you're not the only one left. I have 7,000 who haven't bowed their knees to Baal. Get up and try it again. Get up and you go anoint Jehaz, you go anoint uh, Elisha as your successor. And you go anoint Jehu king and he will take care of Jezebel. You get up and anoint the next king of Syria. You get up and go do it again and do what I've called you to do. My grandfather, great man of God, born again in a holiness church years ago in the mountains, a church that I went to. 
And he was a, a great man of God. He was a, a coal miner. He, he started working in the coal mines at the age of 13 in 1929 in southern West Virginia. And so he, he, was, he was, you know, a self-made man, and he went to a mining convention, and he felt that he fell into sin. And after that, he came back, and he told me, he said, I was so ashamed I wouldn't go back to church. So for 20 years, he went down and down and down to where he became addicted to alcohol, and his, and his, and his life was just shattered for 20 years. He said, I didn't know I could come back. I didn't know I would be received back. I thought I would just be judged. But on one New Year's Day, he woke up and he told my grandmother, he said, today we're going to church. They lived next door to a church. <laughs> they lived next door to the, the Grundy Church of God. So they walked up or drove up the hill or however they went, and they went into that church, an altar call was given, and they went to the altar and repented and, and came back into the fellowship and lived amazing Christian lives for the rest of their life. You come back. You need to go call some people and tell them you can come back. You need to tell somebody in your family, it's okay. All is forgiven. You can come back and do it again. How many people are running out there and they're running with shame and they're running with all of this kind of uh, cloud over their head because they don't think they can come back or one failure was, was final? Failure's not final. Failure is not final. Is anybody here? We're not online right now, right? The internet went down this morning so I can say anything I want to. <laughs> Thank you, sir. <laughs> Acts 15, verse 37. When, when Paul and Silas went out to, or Paul and Barnabas, rather, went out to do ministry, they were sent out as missionaries from the church in Acts chapter 13. They went out and had great success. But at one point, Barnabas wanted to take his nephew with him named John Mark. So John Mark came with them. But at a certain point, when the going got tough, John Mark went home. He couldn't take it. So they came back, and they reported all of their successes. And then they were getting ready for their second missionary journey. And as they were getting ready for their second missionary journey, Barnabas wanted to take John Mark again. And here was Paul's response. 1537, now Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark, but Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. Paul was a tough hombre. And Paul's like, no, that young man bailed on me when it get got tough. He's not going back with me. So they split. Paul and Barnabas split. Paul took Silas, and they went on the second missionary journey. He's not going with, I'm done with him. I'm done with him. He tried, but he disappointed people. Have you tried, but disappointed others? I've tried, but I failed. I tried, but I failed God. And I tried, but I disappointed people. Well, guess what? We've all disappointed people. Try it again. Cast your nets again. What happens? I love this. I love it. I love it. I love it. At the end of his life, 
Paul writes 2 Timothy, which is possibly his last work that we have. He writes 2 Timothy, and he's writing to his son Timothy, giving him instructions and telling him, you know, I'm ready to be poured out as a drink offering. I'm ready to go home. I'm ready. I'm in chains. I'm, I'm all this stuff he's going through. And he says this in chapter 4, four verse 11 of, of 2 Timothy. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark. Go get John Mark and bring him with you. For he's profitable to me or very useful to me in the ministry. So this young boy that Paul refused to travel with in the early days, now at the end is saying, bring him to me. Because he's a help to me and he's useful to me. He was totally redeemed in the eyes of Paul. He didn't just stop. He went on and did it. Try it again. Cast your nets again. Try it again. I mean, sometimes, you know, maybe you tried something that wasn't... I'm talking to people. Not those that tried something and they realized, that's not my calling. And I'm getting out of that. That's a lesson learned and you go on and you do something else. But I'm saying, for those of you who knew God had called you to something, or you knew you were supposed to do something, you did it, and it didn't work, and you just stopped. Or it just, it just put you dead in your tracks. Try it again. Give it another shot. Keep going forward. Keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. Keep moving forward forward keep moving forward keep moving forward I'll tell this on on me and Dana because we're not online (laughs) we were dating and we were in Nashville one night and uh, we were talking about our relationship and is this thing going to go forward or you know and I looked at her and I said it's no reverse in this car never was she said it helped her later on hallelujah (laughs) I said there's no reverse there's no looking back there's no turning back there's no uh, Lot's wife spirit in me there's no I'm not looking back to the past and trying to you know some of us get so caught in the past we can't go on and try it again because we remember back in 1974 when it was so good well you're not in 1974 anymore you're in 2023 or I, I, you know, Brother Hans, I, I tried this and it didn't work out. Well, you know what? You're in a new day. This is a new era. You've learned a lot. You, you've grown. You've matured. You know what you would do and you wouldn't do. You've learned better. And now, my gosh, if life, we can't learn in life, we're really bad off. But we learn things and we grow. And now we should be more mature. And we should be at a different level than we were last year. Come on, we should have learned something through COVID. We should have learned something. I learned, I repented of stuff. I said, God, I gave in to fear too much. I repent of it no more. Ain't no more. And gee, it goes in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Come on, cast your nets one more time. Launch out into the deep. Go out for another catch. Hallelujah. Go out for another catch because there's some fish out there that's just waiting to bite on your line. Hallelujah. I remember when we closed the church in D.C., I had a worship leader who was very prophetic and very insightful. And he looked at me one day and he said, Hans, there will be a people who will receive your ministry. 
You're going to find them. There will be a people who will receive the things you say and receive your ministry. I'm like, yeah, and they live in North Carolina. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. I was about 22 years old, and I went to a prayer meeting one night with my aunt in Abingdon, Virginia. We went to this prayer meeting, and it was a, a bunch of older ladies, and they prayed for me. And, one of the, and I'm about 22. And one of the older ladies looks at me and says, Brother Hans, God has something for you in North Carolina. Amen. And he's going to use you greatly in that state. Amen. I didn't get here until I was 40. So hold on, y'all. Some of y'all got prophetic words. If they didn't happen the next week, you're about ready to lose your mind. Don't do that. (laughs) Hang on. Let me read you the end of Peter's life, and we'll close this out. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16. This is probably Peter's last work. He's talking to his followers, his disciples, those he's raised up and He's talking to them, and he's telling, what could have Peter said? Peter could have said, you know, I did it all. I saw it all. I healed the lame man at the gate, beautiful. I I, I preached to 3,000. We had baptized those guys on the day of Pentecost. I stood before the, the Jewish Sanhedrin and pointed my finger at them and told them they were the ones that crucified the Lord of glory. I was delivered twice from prison by an angel. I was the first guy to preach to the Gentiles, Acts chapter 10. I'm the man. Somebody should write a book about me. (laughs) He didn't say that. At the end of his life, 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 16. He said, this is what I want you to know. If, If there's anything that could be put on my tombstone, this is it. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths. When we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. I wasn't following fantasy or mythology. I was there. I was there. But we were eyewitnesses of His majesty. We were eyewitnesses of His majesty. For when He received honor and glory from God the Father and the voice we born, uh, was born to Him by the, magi- by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven. For we were with Him on the holy mountain. He's saying, here's what I want you to know. When we went up on the Mount of Transfiguration one day, it was me, James, and John. And while we're there, The Lord all of a sudden was transfigured before us. He became as shining white as anything I've ever seen in my life. It was absolutely amazing. I saw Him for who He really was. And all that really matters at the end of my life is not all the miracles I did, not all the accolades I received, but I saw Him. And I was a partaker of that day. And I know that everything I've been preaching is not a myth. It's not a mystery. I touched him. I sat around the campfire with him. I was at the Last Supper with him. I saw him go to trial. He came to me in his resurrected body. That's what I want you to know. I made it. I tried it again. I cast out my nets. And this is my testimony in the end that I saw the Lord in all of his glory and majesty. Let me tell you something. If you quit, you'll never experience the depths that God wants you to go to. 
If you quit, you'll never walk in the depth of revelation that He wants you to go to. If you quit, you'll never meet the contacts He wants you to meet. If you quit, you'll never have the doors of opportunity open for you that you could have open. There are books yet left to write that's in your mind and spirit. There are songs left in your heart and mind and spirit that need to be penned. There are houses that need to be built, businesses that need to be formed. There are ideas and concepts that can help people. There's outreaches that need to be envisioned. There are young couples that need to go to the nations. If you quit now, we're not going to see this happen. Come on. Miles Monroe said it years ago. He said the wealthiest place in many cities is the graveyard. Because all those people died with these dreams and hopes and visions in their life that they never saw come out. I'm telling you, cast your net again. Go home and mend the nets. Get them back in working condition and then cast your nets again and I guarantee you God's going to give you results and harvest for your efforts. Somebody shout hallelujah. Give the Lord a praise. Hallelujah. Oh, praise the Lord. Let's all stand this morning. Thank you guys for listening to me. The power of a changed life. Peter is a living example. Exhibit A of a guy who didn't quit kept moving and God used him mightily. Now it's told, in there, there's a book called The Apocryphal Acts of Peter. It's not scripture, it's just an extra biblical work that appeared in the early centuries of the church. And I've read it. And The Apocryphal Acts of Peter, there's a story in that that says as he was approaching Rome, he knew, he knew basically he was going to be martyred. And he gets to Rome and the authorities arrest him and they tell him they're going to crucify him. And Peter looks back at them in this apocryphal acts and says, I'm not worthy of that. I'm not worthy of crucifixion because that's how my Lord died. So they inverted him and turned him upside down and crucified him. Wow. What a life. Father, we give you praise. Father, I thank you for your word this morning. We won't quit. We're going to go all the way and accomplish everything that you've declared over our lives. We're, I, I just, right now, I pray that everybody in here listening accomplishes everything you have planned for them. That they don't fall short of one thing. That, Lord, they accomplish all the tasks, the dreams, the visions that you've placed in their heart. And they let them... They, they let you, you do your work in them. They go back out. They cast their nets again. They go out for a greater catch next time. I thank you for increase. I thank you for a supernatural, uh, exponential increase in our lives. We're not going to be at the same place next year that we are today. We're going on and going to do greater things for you, Lord. I give you praise. I give you praise. Hey, guys, thanks so much for watching and listening to the podcast. And I hope these sermons have been a great blessing and source of encouragement to your life. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing today, Jesus is the answer. I can tell you, He is the answer for your life. I'd love to pray with you before we leave here. So if you never accepted Christ into your life, or if you just have a need in your life, let's lift it up to the Lord right now. Come on, pray with me. Lord Jesus, wash me from all sin. I accept you into my life. I repent of all sin, and I place you on the throne seat of my heart. Lord, I pray right now, you minister to each and every one who just prayed that short prayer with me. Whatever situation they're facing, 
Give them grace right now. Give them the power they need to get through it, Lord. Give miracle signs and wonders today, Lord, to those listening in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We declare it done in Jesus' name. Love you guys. Thank you for tuning in and listening and watching us.